Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. Mark, are you ready? Hi. Good day. Wow, I'm almost, almost feel like not preaching. I have so much to say, but it's almost like I don't know if I want to interrupt what he's doing. I think he's doing a lot more than we realize. You, you guys have a tendency to mess me up when I come here which is a good thing (laughs) Um, there's a book I I just want to mention to you it's called Fascinated by Heaven on Earth I know the author so he's a pretty good guy and um, it's a pretty good book if you don't have a copy encourage you to, to, to get one because there's so much more that I would love to say that's in here. Um, and uh, I'm just amazed how God um, is using it. I'm just in the process of writing my next book, so maybe next time I'm here we'll have that. I love it when the Holy Spirit messes with my message which is what he's doing right now. So, um, Father, we, we, we so want what you want. I'm not interested in just another message. So want what you want. So, have your way. Do what you do best. Feel free to interrupt. Feel free to bring whatever you want to bring. Feel free to do whatever you want to do. Hmm. You know, um, one of the names of the Holy Spirit is the Comforter. You know, um, you don't need the Comforter if you're not comfortable. If If you're quite comfortable, if you're okay, you don't need comfort. You don't need the Comforter. Um... And, you know, it's, it's different to be in a building like this. We know the building's not the issue. We know the building's not the church. Um, and there is something about um, what the Holy Spirit is doing and in, in where he's taking you. And I believe that he's, he's taking you and bringing you into a place where he can do with you guys 
at what he's always been wanting to do. You see, I, I think that you have this amazing privilege to model something that's not being modeled. In fact, I keep getting this word prototype. You know, we've got a prototype here. So prototype is, is when, they, when they develop something that they want to, you know, like a car, a prototype car. And it's, and it's, so it's like this one they work on and they develop and say, this is a concept car or a prototype of what we would like to come, like where to be there. Or a stereotype is simply a copy. And there's plenty of stereotypes around. There's plenty of copies, people, you know, copying this or copying that of all sorts of things. But it's different when it's a prototype. And I feel like the, the Father wants to, to, to take a group of people like you who have said yes and, and said, okay, now I'm, I'm going to take you and cause you to be a prototype. Now the problem with a prototype or a, a prototype church or community is, is that you don't know what it looks like. You don't have a frame of reference. You don't have a perspective to be able to say, well, that's what it's going to look like. So it's like a mystery. So it's like a place that you have to hang on to the Holy Spirit. You've got to hang on to God and you've got to say, hey, we're going for the ride. We have no idea where we're going. And we have no, no, no idea what this vehicle's going to look like, but we're not going to say no. We're going to say yes. We're going to hang on for heaven's sake and we're going to enjoy the ride. And we don't care what anybody else says. Because, you know, this, this building's not the destination. It's only a part of the journey. But I will tell you that you're going to have some wild times in this building. I tell you, you're going to have some wild times. And it's not the building. It's the position of what you've taken, the step you've taken into. And you say, hey, we, we don't mind being a little uncomfortable. I mean, just be careful with the carpet here. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, I, like, I, I, God, I can just see it so much. And I think God's brought somebody, you know, an Aussie from thousands of miles away to be able to come and say, hey, Hey, God's doing something. He's in it. And you are just in the right place. You're just, and you've got to stay hungry for him. Stay in a place and say, okay, God, what's next? Because there's a scripture, uh, I, I may have shared this with you before, but I'm certainly talking to some people about it today. It's from Proverbs. It says, the satis for the satisfied soul, to the satisfied soul, right, um, Oh, where is it? Um, a satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb. A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb. Now, honeycomb was an absolute delight. It was a delicacy. It was what people want. You know, like, we want the honeycomb, like caviar, you know, expensive and all of that sort of stuff. And it's like a satisfied soul can get to a place where it's like, my goodness, honeycomb again. I am so fed up with this honeycomb, this delicacy. But a hungry soul, every bit of thing is sweet. It's like, hey, that's sweet. Oh, that, 
Every, everybody else saying the bitter. No, it's not. It's sweet. I love it. <laughs> like, it's good. Bring it on. It's like, whoa, what's next? This place is sweet. Right? This, this worship is sweet. Right? It's so good. Oh, and worship again. Here they go. We've had that song 50 times. Satisfied soul. St. Augustine said that familiarity breeds contempt. It's a good word, Mark. When you came to Christ, a miracle occurred. The Holy Spirit came into your life, joined with your spirit. You became alive. You became a residing place for, for God himself. Carrier of heaven. A purveyor of heaven. You were reborn. You were recreated. Because if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away. New things have become. All things have become new. You became a victor instead of a victim. In all things, you are more than conquerors through him who loved you. And you became an overcomer instead of being overcame. You are now royal. You are now holy. And your identity has been reestablished. Peter said it like this. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And you know what? You can be totally secure in all that I said and more. For in Romans it said, I am persuaded neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come can separate me from the love of God. So time and time again, the Scriptures remind us that we have left the dominance of the natural mind, the natural thinking, the natural way of living life to a life that is now led by the Spirit of God. And we've come to understand or need further to understand that everything the Father does, everything the Father talks about always is about relationship, relationship with Him and relationship with one another. So you, you can't come into the family of God unless you come in through relationship with Jesus Christ. There's no other way. And you maintain that walk with your growing relationship with, with Him. So it's all about relationship. It's relationship with the Father, relationship with Jesus, relationship with the Holy Spirit. 
It's relationship with one another. And you see, the very opposite of that is religion. So what religion does, it takes something that we're meant to be a lifestyle, therefore it's got life on it, and turns it into something that we do, events that we go to, functions that we do, which is lifeless. It takes the life out of style, so we're just left with a style. It's like having a form of godliness without the power. Therefore, the focus becomes on the external appearance of things rather than internal transformation. So Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life abundant. Oh, you're going to have such fun in this place. <laughs> Oh, you're going to have such fun in this place. Oh, you're going to have such fun in this place. I've got to say it a few times for you to get it. Oh, you're going to have such fun in this place. If you could see what I can see right now in the Spirit, I, I've just seen, I'm just seeing bodies lying all over the place. I'm seeing people get healed. I'm seeing people, people set free of, of, of strongholds and stuff. And do you know what? You know what I think makes it so exciting? It's all going to happen in a gym. It's all going to happen around a basketball court. <laughs> See, you know, I, sometimes we don't understand that when, when Jesus says, you know what, he says, I use foolish things to confound people. I use foolish things to confound people. That's why I just... I just put on um, my Facebook message just a few days ago that I'm saying that I really believe your, the time of Wyoming is coming really close, that it's going to step into its position in the kingdom and it's going to influence not only this nation, the nations. Because everywhere I go, people, people ask me things like, why are you going to Wyoming? Why? There's nobody there. Only cows and a few people. Why go there? And, uh, and all I can say is because God keeps telling me to go there. It's in my heart to go there. But you see, there are so many places around the world where you could say, well, that's a foolish sort of a place or it's a thing or it's a foolish person or whatever it is. And God says, that's just who I want to demonstrate. Because... Then people will know it's not in the actual location or on their abilities, it's in my ability. <laughs> so, religion is so damaging to the kingdom because it really aims directly at attacking our relationship with God. See, most of our lives, you and I, we've been led by what we see. By what we hear, by what we smell, taste, touch, by our senses. We have learnt things that are based on the logic of man and we often continue to be influenced by that reasoning, the reasoning of earth. I'm sure you've heard the saying, 
that people, some people are so heavenly minded, they know earthly good. Have you ever heard that? I don't be so heavenly minded, you know earthly good. You know what? It's a lie. You know what? It's a lie. In fact, you have to be so heavenly minded to be some earthly good. You've got to take from another reality. And I was saying this today, um, there is a difference between facts and truth, right? Now, the facts are, this is what's taking place. But the truth is what Jesus has to say about it. Because truth is a person, Jesus is the truth. So what does he have to say? What's he saying? The facts are, you're in this gym, right? The facts are, you've moved from a place to here. Great. Wonderful. That's the facts. The truth is, <laughs> you're just in the right place. <laughs> you're just in the right place because you're being transformed. Because your mind's getting a workout. Because that's what the Bible says. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. You're learning what's important to the Father. You're learning to see things as he sees them. Yeah? Because it makes a difference where you see things from. It makes a difference from what position you look at. If you look at this, what's happening uh, here round about us, if you look at it from a worldly position, you say, oh, poor group of people, you think they could be put to a better, ch- better place than this. Right? You look at it from heaven, it says, yes! <laughs> oh, good. They are in the right place. Huh? So it really makes a difference where you see things from. Let me tell you a story. There was this um, businesswoman, and she goes to um, the airport, and she's got a little bit of time before her flight leaves. So she goes to um, Mrs. Fields' um, cookies, and she buys a bag of cookies and a, and a, and a coffee. And they have one of those benches um, out there in front uh, where you can just go and sit. So she sits down, puts a coffee down. She's got an article that she needs to read, and she's just reading that. And uh, while she's there, she, she hears the rustling of a paper bag. And she looks to her left, and there's this long-haired guy, but scruffy beard and so forth like that. He's, he's not dressed the best and doesn't quite smell the best. Uh, and he's got his hand in this cookie bag. And, uh, and he's, he's pulling this cookie out, and she looks at him, glaring at him. How dare you? And so he's pulling, and he's just smiling at her. He just takes the cookie out right in front of her and just starts eating it. And she's glaring. She is seething on the inside. How dare you? So she, like, gets back to drinking her coffee and reading her article. Not very much longer. The bag is rustling again, and there's this same guy with his hand in the bag, right? And she is, she is angry. She is beyond angry. She is, how dare you? And he just smiles. <coughs> she grabs the cookie bag from him, wrenches it away from him, gets her coffee, and off she goes to the gate. She gets close to the gate. She puts her hand into her bag to get a boarding pass out, and there's her bag of cookies. She has stolen his bag of cookies. 
suddenly she is in an absolute state of humility of my goodness what have i done she goes from being uh, angry and uh, indignant that this man's stealing her cookies to the next three realizing i'm the thief oh no See, she has what's called a paradigm shift. She has immediately a look from another point, another direction, thinking, oh, my goodness, what have I done to that man? I've stolen his cookies. See, it makes a real difference where you see things from. It's another story I'll tell you. A man that's on a train. And... Um, He's had a hard day. He's really just, he doesn't want to speak to anybody or see anyone. He just wants to lock himself just sort of into just him being him himself. Busy day. Just wants to get home. And uh, the train stops and uh, on gets um, this uh, man with these young children. And the young children are just running right. What well, seems like the father's just sitting down ignoring. These kids are jumping on the chairs, running up and down, doing all the somersaults down, and yelling, screaming. And this guy over here is just absolutely like, oh, my goodness. Just why doesn't he control those kids? And he's just getting angry and angry inside. He finally goes over to who he thinks of the father and says to them, are you the father? He's, yes, I am. And he said, well, I wish you would control them. He said, well... I wish you would help me explain to them that I've just left the hospital and their mother has just died. Suddenly, this passenger who was so indignant about the way they behave is just suddenly wordless, speechless, just has nothing to say and, and is in tears. Why? Because he saw the same situation from a completely different perspective. You see, God wants us to see from heaven to earth. He wants us to see things from the way that he sees things. One Corinthians um, two verse nine to ten says this: "I have not seen, ear is not heard, nor has entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared." for those who love him but god has revealed to them, them to us through his spirit for the spirit searches all things yes the deep things of god you see god sees things from the end back to where we are whereas we're trying to see things from where we are towards so that's why it's really important that we are hearing what god has to say we really need to be in a place where you are hearing what God has to say more than ever. The brother who got it came up here and said to us, hey, listen, we have not been given a spirit of fear. Right? He said, we are not, we're not designed to wear fear. You're not made for fear. You're made for faith. And unfortunately, there are leaders in the body of Christ who are using fear to get people to step into faith, and it's illegal. It's illegal to use something of the kingdom of darkness to get you to step into something, the kingdom of light. And that's why we need more than ever to be hearing what God says about what's going on. 
The church needs to be the church because the world's just being the world. That's good, Mark. I think of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the king. And Jehoshaphat's been out in his kingdom and he's been putting things right. He's been pulling down um, Asherah poles and stuff that people are worshipping with. He's been putting justice in place. He's been doing all these good things. And he comes home and then he gets home. Um, he, somebody comes and says to him, um, there's, there's the army, the enemy, I think the Philistines is coming against us. Right, they're coming to attack. And so, of course, he is immediately, oh my goodness, this is the last thing we need. And so he calls, you know, assembly, declares fast, and they're seeking God, and he's getting, you know, right understanding, yes, God, you've done all this before, etc., etc. But they're seeking God. And then God says to him, okay, this fight is not yours, it's mine. And then he says to him this, he says, you don't need to fight in this battle, but you do need to position yourself, you do need to stand still, and you do need to see the salvation of the Lord. So the first thing is get into position. See, it makes a difference what your position is. You can hear people saying, well, my position is for this um, political party, or my position or stand is on this. It makes a difference what you position, where you position yourself. And we are, we are positioned already in heavenly places. That's what Ephesians says. You and I, we're seated in heavenly places. We don't have to wait to die to get into heaven because we're there already. Now, when we die, we're fully there. But there's a lot of things when you get to heaven you can't do that you can only do while you're on earth. See, the will of God is that what happens in heaven would happen on earth. That's what he told us to pray. So we are positioned in a place where we can take what is from heaven and bring to earth. And so you need to be really careful that you are hearing what God is saying unto here and not coming from a natural perspective and saying, well, we shouldn't be here or we shouldn't be this. Heaven's perspective. Now, when we talk about heaven... We understand that the first heaven is what we can see, right? We understand from Scripture that the second heaven is the residence of the enemy, um, demons, those sorts of things. Uh, Ephesians 6.12 says, We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Second heaven. The third heaven is the dwelling place of God. That's where He's raised us up and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Aren't you pleased? So we have to learn how to see things from heaven. Heaven's perspective on things. Yeah? We're meant to see things as heaven sees them. Let me give you a couple of um, keys that you're, going to really, you're really going to need to, to have in this next season. So here they are. First of all, um, in Psalm 34, it says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. I magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. 
I will bless the Lord at all times. Do you know that grumbling and complaining is the praise and worship of hell? If you don't believe me, go and have a look in Jude. If you want to attract hell, then grumble and complain. Uh, grumble and complain about the government, grumble and complain about this, or grumble and complain about the leadership, or grumble and, grumble and complain about the building or whatever it is, but you'll attract hell because you release a fragrance. Because the Bible says that, that God inhabits the praises of his people. Well, so does the enemy. That's why, bless the Lord at all times, his praise shall continue to be in my mouth, attracts heaven. And we are meant to be people that are attracting heaven. God says, I love that sound, I'm coming to join him. Grumbling and planning, the enemy says, I love that sound, I'm coming to join it. Huh? He's called Beelzebub, which is Lord of the Flies. You know what flies love to hang around? Stinking, dying, decaying things. Anyway, that was for free. My soul, my, my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And that's what I want to focus on just for a few minutes. Magnify the Lord. Now, magnifying, when you magnify something, what happens? It gets bigger? No, it's not quite right. It actually appears bigger than what it is. So when you magnify something, you hold a magnifying glass to something, you're, some writing or something, it just appears bigger. And that's what he's saying. He says, listen, we are made to magnify the Lord. But if you don't magnify the Lord, you'll magnify something else. You'll magnify your problems. You'll magnify this problem, that problem, whatever else. You'll magnify it. And you magnify it by actually making it bigger than it really is. So can I tell you? Yeah, you've got to learn this. Because let me give you an illustration of the one who wrote it, David, what he means by, by magnifying this. Okay, so David gets together 600 men that have rejects of society, right? Nobody else wants them. And he turns them into a mighty army, a, a, a mighty fighting force. And, uh, and they build this city called Ziglag. And uh, in the city, um, he's living because Saul, who's the king, is trying to kill him because he's been anointed to be new, the, the new king. And, of course, the existing king doesn't like that. So he, he figures he wants to, he's going to kill him. So he's been out to kill him. So David's been keeping away from, from you know, obviously, because he doesn't want to get killed. Anyway, they're in Ziglag, and these fighting men, they want to fight, right? Because they've been trained to be, so they want to go for a fight. So... David takes them down to the Philistines and says, look, can we fight with you? Can we, can we join your fight? Because these men haven't had a fight for a while and they really want to fight. Okay, so it gets down there and they said, look, um, we're a bit suspicious of you because uh, you might just join with us and then turn on us. So uh, thanks, but no thanks. So it really is a bad day when the enemy rejects you. So his own people have rejected him and the enemies rejected him. So they take, they take off back 
to zigzag, and so they're coming back to zigzag, go over the hills, and as they're getting closer, see all this smoke rising. Smoke's rising up out of zigzag. They get there, the whole place is burnt to the ground, the women and children and all their things have been stolen by another group of enemies. Now, of course, the men, these strong, mighty men, are absolutely distraught. The Bible says that they cried until they could cry no more. You can understand it. They are just absolutely beside themselves. They are hurt, they are grieving, and like what happens when people don't know what to do, they decided they're going to stone David the leader. Right? Because this is what happens when people, when people are hurting and they don't know what to do. They, they decide they're going to kill the leader or do something to the leader because it's all his fault. That's a key for you. So, David doesn't retaliate because David's hurting. David's family's been taken away too. These guys don't know what they... They've, they've lost. So, David takes himself away from the men and he starts to magnify the Lord. He starts to do what he wrote about. He starts to exalt the Lord. Now, you know what? If it was me, I think I would do a little bit of complaining first. I, I would say, God, this, this is not true. This is not right. I've raised these men up. They don't want to kill me. I'm hurting. They're hurting. Da, 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 da. You know, I, I, I think I would do that a little bit. I'd get on to magnifying, but I'd want to get that out of my system first. But there's no record of that at all. David gets there and he starts to magnify the Lord. You are wonderful. You're the creator of all things. You are good. You are the God of... And, and he's just worshipping him. And he's exalting him. You know what must have been going on in his body? Wouldn't have felt like doing that at all. But he has established in his life that he's not going to go and complain to God because he knows that that, that attracts hell. So he's worshipping. He's worshiping God. And then after a while he says, so God, should we go and get, the, go and get our things back, go and get our um, wives and children back and all that stuff? He says, yeah, go and you'll be successful. So he goes back to the men and he says, guess what? We're going, to, we're going for a fight. Yes! They suddenly forget all their grief. They suddenly forget all that's... And off, they go, we're going to go for a fight. We're going to go for a fight. We're going to have a fight. Right? So off they go. And of course, they're successful and they bring everything back. But you know what? What happens is because David magnified the Lord and got the word of the Lord, he comes back and says, this is the word of the Lord. And everybody says, yes, it is. Let's go. See, that's what the world's looking for. The world is looking for people who say, this is the answer. This is what we're going for. So can I tell you, practice magnifying the Lord. If you've got a problem, and we all have them, things that catch us off guard, financial issues, problems, all sorts of things, the, the more you magnify that, the less perspective you get in it because you become overwhelmed with the problem and you've lost contact with the solution. You lose, you lose perspective. You have a problem, you have an issue, somebody says something that's not so kind to you and you go home just running the movie through your head again, running the recorded message of what they said 
and you go over and over and over and you start justifying why it's not right and all of that sort of stuff. Well, there's a problem when you take justification on yourself. That's God's job. And so you go over and over and over and over and over and over, or you have a sickness that, that is attacking you. You've got the facts of it, and you begin to tell everybody about how bad you are and how you're doing and all of this sorts of things. And, and what happens is the sickness or the problem or the issue becomes bigger than God. It isn't really, but it appears bigger. And you lose the ability to be able to have what's the solution. See, this isn't a problem for you. This is an opportunity. This isn't a problem here. This is an opportunity. This isn't a problem. This is an opportunity. This isn't a problem. This is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for God to show himself great. This is an opportunity for God to, to show, hey, listen, people, love your buildings, but let me show you what I can do in a gymnasium. Let me show you what I can do with the people who have said, God, we don't understand what's going on, but we're with you. Let me tell you one other thing, and it's, and it's something that um, I, I'm going to be doing um, some writing through because I, I, I really believe this is the attitude of a breakthrough people. They know how to magnify God and not the problem. The second thing is they know the weapons. You see... I believe that joy is a weapon. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, this is what I'm learning at the moment. And so it's, I'm, I'm learning it, have learned it, and learning it, and that's why I want to write about it. Um, there's so much that the Bible says about uh, joy. And... Um, I want to really challenge you today about learning or practicing joy and learning to laugh at the problems, to laugh at the situation and to release joy. Um, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah 8.10 now, um, Romans chapter 14 says something, and, it, and it's a particular verse that if I had the ability to take it out of the Bible, I would, but I don't, so I have to understand what it's about, because it says this, for the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking, and I like to eat and drink, you know, teas and coffees and stuff like that, so just making sure you got that right. Um, but it's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So the kingdom is about righteousness, it's about peace, and it's about joy. So the kingdom isn't just about eating and drinking. That's what I think he means. It's what I think anyway. Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of your spirit. You see, the Joy is a weapon. Now, you're going to need the use of joy. There are other weapons, but I think you're going to need joy and the use of joy in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the time that's ahead of you, in your life and together.
So I'd practice laughing at things. I was at this conference last year in Bethel. And uh, yeah, you're there with it. Yeah. And we went to this workshop with a guy called Steve Buckland. You know, heard of Steve Buckland? So we went there and he started to, he started to talk to us about, he said, uh, about laughing at lies. And he said, I want you, when I say this lie, I want you to laugh at it. And I thought to myself, you've got to be joking. So, you know, he said the first one, and I thought, oh, well, everybody else is doing it, I better do it. So I was like, ha, ha, ha. You know, it's like, this is really lame. You know. Anyway, so he went on to the next one, and everybody laughed, and I laughed a little bit more. You know what? It wasn't very long. I was on the floor laughing uncontrollably about nothing. Why? You know what? We are so conditioned that laughing has got to happen because we see something funny or hear something funny. So we have these external circumstances that have got to make us laugh. But the issue is we have the joy giver inside of us. It doesn't matter what the circumstances is. It doesn't change what's inside of us. It doesn't change the fruit of the Spirit, which is joy and other things, but joy that's in us. If the joy of the Lord is our strength, then the more that we let the joy out, the stronger we are. You need to laugh at some of the circumstances that happen around about you. Start laughing at some things. I mean, really. Truly. It's really uncomfortable because we have been trained to have some stimulus make us laugh. Some funny person with an accent from Australia up the front doing some things so we can have a bit of a laugh. Being a comedian, telling us a joke or something funny so we can laugh at, make us laugh, make us laugh. That's really sad, but that's how we were all trained. It's how I'm trained. So if I see something that's sad, something that I don't want, something that I, I, I really want to see changed, I don't want to laugh at that because there's nothing to laugh at. But I figure I'm going to start laughing at it. I'm going to start laughing at circumstances. I'm going to start laughing at things that want to make me cry. I want to start laughing at when I feel scared. When I think about what's happening around the world, I just want to laugh at it. It's better than crying. It's better than worry, which we're not supposed to do. We're all trained in it. It's better than anxiety. Better than getting anxious. Because all that does is lead us into a place where we don't even want to exist anymore. See, a merry heart does good like medicine. Take your medicine. Take your medicine. Now, what, what, what really? <sighs> oh, what really surprises me, what really surprises me is that I've been in churches where we've had altar call and people come down the front and they're touched by God and they're, you know, crying, blood, uh, eyes, you know, snot running, uh, all that stuff, you know. And they're just so impacted by it. It's good. It's great. And usually everybody says, wow, the Holy Spirit's doing a great work in them. He is. And it's wonderful. 
And then you can have people who start laughing for no reason at all because the Holy Spirit's on them. And people turn around and shh. The devil's trying to interrupt the meeting. With joy? With the fruit of the Spirit? Really? I mean, seriousness is not a fruit of the Spirit. Seriously. And I, think it, I, I really think it is sad for us as believers who have the joy giver living inside of us that we have to have some sort of thing that generates the joy. That the circumstances, because what happens if the circumstance is bad? Well, we just crack up and just like everybody else. We're not meant to be like everybody else because we've got the joy giver inside of us and you start to laugh at something. And so, you know, it's like, oh, we had this problem. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> I'll tell you what. A little while ago, I, I would have thought I'm crazy doing that. But I've started to see how to, because I'm practicing it. If you don't believe me, have a go. Try it out. Start laughing when you don't feel like it. If you really have a problem, have a look in the mirror. Have a look in the mirror. Now listen, I, I wasn't intending to go here, but I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, when somebody mentioned something about the weapons, weapons of our warfare are not carnal, that the Holy Spirit said to me, Mark, you've got to teach them that God practice joy. They've got to get into it. I mean, you've got a benefit. You've got a joy in the house. You've got a head start. <laughs> yeah? So what I'm saying to you, you have to practice it because we have been taught in so many other ways. We have been taught that joy is only to be responded when there's something external that is worth laughing at. I mean, you can see it. If, you, if we had a group of people sitting here and I'm, I'm preaching very seriously and they start laughing, we'd all stop and say, what are they laughing about? What, what's so funny? Huh? Because that's how we trained. But I'm telling you, you as a group of people need to understand how to magnify the Lord, right? And to actually practice it. And you need to practice joy. You need to practice joy. You need to be practicing joy. And it, you've got to practice it. It's something intentionally you've got to do because the joy of the Lord is your strength and you're going to release strength out and you're going to be able to laugh at difficulties and you laugh at problems that are going to come, come your way. And I tell you what will happen. You'll change and the problem will change. Because I tell you that joy brings breakthrough. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Joy makes a way. Joy can't be stopped. Joy can't be stopped. People can look at you funny. You know, a couple of years ago, there was a group of us, Tony and Gwinnett, and my wife and couple, and we were in Cody for a conference, and we went to a Dairy Queen. And the Dairy Queen had happy hour. You know what happened? 
we got really happy. We were so happy. The manager came out and was looking at us. What is going on? What's so funny? We said, it's happy hour. I mean, shouldn't you be happy at, at least in happy hour? But what happened is the Holy Spirit would just came upon us. I mean, he liked the idea that it was happy hour. So he said, well, you might as well be happy. Paul said this to us. You know this really well. Philippians 4.4 4 says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Yeah? You know it? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. <laughs> rejoice in the Lord always. Well, have you ever thought about that? And Paul is saying rejoice. He's saying have joy again. And, and I'm going to emphasize it, and I want you to have joy again. So if he's saying have joy again, it means you have a choice that you can switch it on. You can let it out. You can let it out. So it's a choice. You actually don't have to wait till something is funny enough to laugh at. You can do that too. But you can actually say, I'm going to laugh at that. <laughs> I don't like it, but I'm going to laugh at it. I'm going to laugh directly in its face. I'm going to laugh at the devil because he's defeated anyway. <laughs> I'm going to laugh at that problem. Okay? And what happens is, is you release the power of God. You release the strength of the Lord. Though the fig tree doesn't blossom, nor there be fruit on the vine, though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no flock, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice. In the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and He'll make my feet like deer's feet, and He'll make me walk on high hills. That's what it says. I know that's a difficult thing to say in this country at this moment, but I my point is yet I will rejoice. We are yeti people. Yet will I rejoice. Yet will I laugh at it. This is the situation. This is the problem. This is the facts. But yet I will rejoice. Yet I will laugh at it. <laughs> oh. <sighs> the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. There's this scripture, I'm going to try and finish with it at the moment. It's from the Old Testament and it says this, and it's one that uh, has been really bugging me in a good way for a long time. And it says this, Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything, therefore you will serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, and in need of everything. And he'll put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. 
seems a hard, tough thing, but it, what it's saying is because you didn't serve me with joy and gladness, because you misrepresented me, because you told everybody it was hard serving God, because you acknowledged lack, and lack became your focus point, because you didn't serve me with joy and gladness for the abundance of everything, guess what? You're going to serve lack. Because it says you're going you're gonna to serve uh, you're going to serve your enemies and you're going to be in hunger and hunger is the lack of food and thirst is the lack of water nakedness is lack of clothes and in need of everything is just full stop lack he said he said you 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 need to serve with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything so when god says we need to do something like rejoice and again i say rejoice he gives us the power to do that it's his power so that when you let joy out, when you purpose to laugh at something, and I'm serious, if you find it difficult to laugh at something without being stimulated, then you have to learn how to do it. Start doing it. I just sit at home and just start to think of joy and just start, I'm, I'm letting joy out. I'm, 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 I'm letting joy out. And if you have a difficulty doing that in front of other people, then do it on your own. Do it in your car. Right? Think of something to trigger it if you've got to do that. But what I'm saying to you is joy has to be let out. Joy has got to come out. Right? It's, it's no good of saying, brother, I have the joy of the Lord. Can't you see? It's written all over me. I am so joyful. I'm joyful on the inside. We've got to let it out. It's got to come out. Right? Now, I had no intention of speaking this tonight to you. I was really going to do some different things. But I really feel like the Lord's saying that the days ahead for you are going to be the most fun days. And they're going to be the most tough. You know, the tale of two cities, it says it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. Can I say to you, you're going to have some of the best times that you ever have seen, seen the power of God come, and you're going to have some real difficulties. So that's why the Father sent me here to say to you, teach them, tell them about magnifying me that they are made to magnify. It's in their DNA. And they'll magnify problems. They'll magnify what's wrong. So help them to understand, magnify me, and it'll give them the right perspective, and they'll see things from heaven. They'll see how heaven sees things. They'll get solutions because they are magnifying me. They are in that place where they can hear what I'm saying and teach them to laugh at things. Teach them to release joy about things. And teach them that stop taking themselves so seriously. <laughs> now, it's Rose, isn't it? On the bass player, Rose. And that's your husband there, isn't it, Marty? Is it Marty? No, Phil. You're Phil. Oh, that's Marty. Yeah, that's, oh, just laugh at that. <laughs> All right, Phil. Now, I think, didn't I hear that you're going on vacation? Okay. Well, it's not going to be the vacation you think. It's going to be good, but it's going to have a lot of divine encounters. 
a lot of opportunities you're going to have with people and they won't always come at the most inopportune, most inop, most opportune time. They'll come at inopportune times. But um, I feel like I see sort of like a list. You coming back with a list. You should have seen this. We, we were in this place and we talked to this person and this person just opened up their heart to us and we just prayed, laid hands on it. You should have seen Phil. Phil was all over it. He was speaking the word of God to them. You go, Phil. So I think the vacation you're going to go on is going to be a journey of divine encounters. Right? But guess what? They will simply be doing in another place what's going to be commonplace here. Uh, Maybe you didn't hear my accent. They will be experiencing in another place what's going to be commonplace here. Right? So if you like that word, why don't you take it? Yes, God. While they're over doing that, I'm going to be expecting divine encounters with people. Okay? Now, as you grow in your courage, as the courage level lifts in this house, and it's going to, right? As you step out, as you learn to laugh at stuff and you magnify him, what those two things, I really ask you, go away and practice those things. Magnifying God and laughing at whenever you can get an opportunity to start, just develop it. It's practice. Practice it. And it'll just come out like, it, me now, I can be in the most serious things and I just start laughing. Right? And, and, and uh, I, I, I don't care. Because I want to let, let that joy out. I want to let God out. I want to let, because when I do, I, I, I start to relax and rest in Him. And rest is another weapon. Right? Right? Now, see, the weapon of a warfare are not carnal. That means they don't look like a weapon. Right? Now, there's people around here, you've got weapons that look like weapons. Right? Everybody, you just bring it out and says, yeah, that's it. That's a weapon. That's a gun or bow or whatever it is. Okay? But the weapons of God's weaponry that he's given to us don't look like a weapon. Right? So joy doesn't look like a weapon, but it is. It's a real powerful weapon. It'll bring breakthrough. It'll bring breakthrough for you. Right? Magnify. Right. And you really are, really are destined, um, you know, here. As a, as a group of people to see some things happen. I really feel it's different than the last time I was here. Not, not just because you're in a different building, but the, the, the level is different. Now, meeting on Saturday night is different, isn't it? It's different than a Sunday morning. You know what? I reckon there's a whole bunch of people who can't get to a place on Sunday morning are looking for a place to be a part of community of people and have what you have that happens on a Saturday night. Don't see the problem. See that it's an opportunity. Right? It's an opportunity. God has given you opportunities. And you know what? He often uses circumstances to get us to the place that we wouldn't go voluntarily. Right? 
he often uses circumstances to get us to a place that we wouldn't go voluntarily and we blame the circumstances listen he's behind it all he's orchestrating things he's putting things into place because you sang too many songs lord here we are do whatever you want to do with us You've been giving him permission for quite some period of time in your songs that you've been singing and he's taking you seriously and he says, this is a group of people that I can do something with, that I can model what's in my heart to model to Cheyenne and to Wyoming and to other places. <sighs> All righty. Um, I have no idea what time we're supposed to finish, but um, before 10.30? By tomorrow morning. <laughs> i got to be somewhere at 10.30 tomorrow morning. Um, what, where went I? I mean, something, somewhere else. Um, You know what, um, I, I think that God wants to do something uh, further tonight. Okay, if, um, I, I've, I can't describe it, um, I really feel like the Lord just wants to, um, release something to people tonight. Um, and I think it's going to be quite different for some people. Um, I, I, I really feel like um, he, he wants to just bless some of you, just just pour himself out um, on you. Uh, for some other people, he wants to heal your body. Uh, for, some of, for some people, or maybe just one or two people here, you're struggling with occasional depression. He wants to set you free. Okay? We don't have to know what that is. He knows what it is. And so um, tonight, if you would like us just to lay hands on us, Tony and, and Gwinnett, or come and join me, and, and we'll pray uh, for you tonight. We'll just release whatever God wants um, to, to be um, upon you. So if you want to come on down, come on down the front. We'll just start praying, uh, and we'll just see what God what happens come with whatever you want whatever you want from god tonight whatever you want to see changed see happened if you if it's just like god i just want more of you then come on down if you say lord i just want just let that um, breakthrough happen i've got some areas that i need to see breakthrough come on down if you if you say lord i just want you to catapult me into that whole thing of magnifying you or i just want to be catapulted into that whole thing of joy or if i've got this issue i've got this relational thing that's happening that i want to see change i i'm just giving those out so come on come on down